Hi, welcome to another episode of the CTO to CTO podcast. Celebrating International Women's Day, this week in the Balance It series of our podcasts, our guests are Natalie Pilling and Alexandra Bis, the two founders of Dare It, a mentorship program that is meant to help women start working in the IT industry and accelerate the growth of their careers. The technology sector is still struggling with gender equality, with reports by Statista and the National Center of Women and in Information Technology showing that only 25% of all jobs were held in IT by women in 2020. Today, I asked Natalie and Alexandra some questions about the program, why equal representation matters, the impact of mentorship, and how to find the right career path in tech, even when you're completely new to it. We even discuss our favorite TV series and why it's the best thing that's happened in the media for women in years. Let's begin. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Alexandra. Uh, welcome. Okay, uh, so let's start with the basic but most important question. What is DARE IT or should I say DARE IT? You can say both, actually. <laughs> Hi, Agatha. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, you can say both. That was kind of the idea behind it, that you can play with the word. So uh, I see that you, uh, yeah, we'll go into that later. You you took on the, a similar approach. So uh, you, you get it, I see. <laughs> Right, so uh, in a nutshell, uh, what's their IT about? Um, we try to solve the diversity issue and the talent issue in the IT industry all in one go. Because we came to ask ourselves that, okay, there's a, clearly a lack of talent, a lot of lack of people in the industry. And at the same time, you have such a small representation of women. So 17% is like, well, why don't you solve the two things uh, together? So... Uh, what we do is we support women in finding their first job in the industry and at the same time uh, connect them with companies and help the companies fill in their vacancies, basically. Um, how do we do that? Uh, that's, that's the big question here, probably. Um, two, two approaches. So we've started to build a um, community, a very active one, actually. And the uh, second thing is, as part of this community, we've, um, we've built a mentorship program. And uh, this is now in the third edition, where we have 120 mentors and 127 mentees. So it's grown quite, uh, quite big. Um, and the mentors are supporting, of course, the, the mentees in finding their first job in the industry. And for all those women that unfortunately couldn't get into the program, and we just to give you an example, we have usually about 1,500 to 2,000 applications per, per edition. Wow. So that's a few. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for those women who don't get into the program, we've built a community, as I was saying. So mostly on Facebook. So we have a closed group where we have about 4,000 women now. We've added a Slack group, which is a little bit more interactive, where we almost have 1,000 um, members. And we engage in general, let's say, knowledge sharing initiatives. So we run a newsletter, we run um, monthly or bi-monthly talks, so where experts can share their knowledge. And in general, we try to support the women in networking with each other, uh, seeing role models or seeing women who they can aspire to, to be. And uh, as I mentioned before, also connect to companies. And how long uh, has the Dare It community organization actually existed? 
So we've been working since three years now. So we started in 2018 uh, at the beginning. So we're mm -hmm. very excited because as Natalie uh, mentioned, the growth is, <laughs> I actually love it. Uh, we actually go through, I think, 300 growth year to year in terms of the size of our community. And as Natalie mentioned, uh, we do usually get around one almost up to 2,000 applications per edition. And it's worth mentioning that in the first edition, we had just 11 mentors. Uh, so mm -hmm. let's say the need that we saw versus what we could actually provide at the time was very different. So we're happy that we managed to grow this much this year. Wow. Wow. So the need was really there. That's really re reassuring too. That must be a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you're filling an actual gap, right? That's that's really not there. Mm -hmm. It's reassuring. Sometimes it makes you a little bit sad as well because it makes you wonder why there is such a need. But focusing on the positives, let's say. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great to be able to uh, be able to support so many um, people. So many women. But I think mm -hmm. it was also extremely reassuring where we when we actually started because when we launched our first edition, it was like, oh, we have eleven place, so please let them be at least for the application, so you know it will be okay, or we have some application to choose from, and then we got um, over eight hundred. So actually, the sole fact that what we're doing or trying to do is you know something that people see value in or solve actual problems, this was also very you know, a confidence boost slash a stressor, <laughs> because also when you have so many applications and people that you can't really support at the time, then you start thinking, okay, what are the activities that we could do in order to scale our help? Um, hence, as it's not the least sad, a lot of um, educational activities and community creation around it. I, okay, so I think this, this uh, moves us uh, nicely into the next question, which is how did you two start working together in that case? Uh, so we actually knew each other from El Passion, that's a, a digital design uh, agency based in Warsaw, where we've uh, both worked. Natalie at the time was a CEO. Um, I was a senior UX designer. So this is kind of where, kind of where we met. But the start, I would say, of the idea, it's pretty, I mean, I find it hilarious at the time, but now I find it hilarious that it was pretty grim. So I basically, uh, there was a moment where I thought I'm going to have, uh, I have bone cancer because this is kind of the diagnosis I got that this might be the case. So wow. of course, spoiler, I'm fine. Nothing bad happened, et cetera, et cetera. But over the course of two or three weeks, I did went for a full blown, uh, you know, oncology diagnosis, et cetera. Which made me think very hard about some of my life choices slash what I'm doing or will do. Um, and given the fact that at the time I was already supporting some of the starting designers or had this need to, let's say, help more people, I started to think, okay, how could I scale basically what I'm doing, you know, to, um, to make it grow and help more people. Um, and one day, literally over lunch at Miss Kimchi, we were talking with Natalie and then she shared her um, story slash, you know, she just basically shared that it's, you know, we all know it, it's pretty annoying to be the only woman in the room uh, in a lot of cases, not only the only CEO, uh, female CEO, but also the only woman in general, um, and that she would love to do something about that. And I was like, hey, I have this idea of maybe starting like a mentorship program, maybe that could be a starting point. Um, and everything started super fast um, from that point on. We literally whip up a website in, I think, three days or something. And then we launched this first very MVP slash guerrilla, guerrilla, <laughs> yeah, uh, guerrilla approach um, 
event, which was promoted only for our friends and word of mouth, basically Facebook. Um, and as mentioned, we had just 11 spots and we got over 800 um, applicants. That's amazing that this is something that um, was maybe, of course, not a positive event in your life, quite negative. But at the same time, uh, it really made you, like you said, reevaluate your life choices and and really probably accelerate some of the actions that maybe would have t taken you much longer to, <laughs> you know, to place your bet on and, and say, OK, I'm doing it. Life is short, you know. Um, so uh, one more question. How big is the team now? Or is it still only you two ladies that are running the whole show? <laughs> uh, we, are, we have uh, one more person who is working with us part time. Uh, her name is Martina Broda. She's our community manager. So she's uh, mostly taking care of the events that we are running uh, right now as part of the mentorship program. Mm, but in general, also, I was mentioning that Daring Talks, so this is a series of uh, online webinars. And uh, to be honest, uh, we can't forget our amazing mentors because in the end, uh, they are the ones who support our mentees in their in their um, yeah, in their journey. So they might not be, let's say, officially their IT team, but actually they kind of are. So. Why is it daring or difficult for women to enter into a professional career in IT? I think one of the first ones is that if you look at it, there is less women who graduate from technical degrees. So by definition, they will be entering the IT profession as a career changer. And I guess career change is definitely possible. And I would say that the IT industry is one of the ones which is most suited for a career change, but it's still hard because it requires you to rethink yourself. It requires you to start uh, from, from the beginning. You may have been uh, the more advanced expert level. You go back to being a junior. So in a way you dare, right? Because you rethink your professional path. And I think that another big point is um, one that's fairly, I think, noticeable or known is the stereotypes uh, that women might face and also some of the lack of exposure, let's say, to different types of um, jobs. There are certain extensive studies or reports um, saying that, for example, only 20% of female students can name a famous um, women working in IT versus, let's say, 70% uh, of technical uh, students uh, being able to name, uh, for example, a man, or that um, women, young women, for example, being in high school, they're not only not encouraged, let's say, to pursue certain career path, but also actively discouraged and doesn't necessarily come from a bad place as if like, oh, you can't do it, but maybe that will be harder for you or, you know, people just don't see themselves in certain uh, situation. This is why we're so big on the role modeling effect to kind of start fostering the self-efficacy to get a job. Um, in IT, one of the big pillars is actually role modeling effects. So as Natalie mentioned, just providing um, female role models to, to help basically girls envision themselves in this kind of um, roles and to see that, okay, if a given person that's similar to me was able to pursue a certain path, this is as okay for me to do it or um, basically achievable. Um, so that's definitely one of the big point. And I also like to say that it's really not that we're trying to force everyone to start a job in IT and you know picture it as this problem-free amazing world it's just that we would really love to 
let's say, get back some of the career options or choices that women might not see or take under consideration or actively exclude themselves from them because of some stereotypes that they might be facing. Yeah, yeah. I would add that um, one issue is, it's a bit like the chicken and the egg problem, but um, one of the issues I see is that there's a lack of female leaders also. So, and, you know, we're we're kind of, even if we try very hard to to uh, sort out our bias or to leave our bias aside, we are human. So we try, usually will hire people who are more like us, or we will promote people who are more like us. So um, again, if you even if you try very hard to push this out, and even if you put try to put some systems in place, it is if you have a for instance um leadership uh, or uh, generally a team which is very male. And then you have, I don't know, a recruitment process. And uh, as part of candidates, there are there are women in the process. Just, uh, yeah, they're part of the process. But then they might not get hired because there is this underlying bias that we tend to kind of work, to want to work together with people who are with us. So again, as I said, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg because then to say we can get more women, or it should get less hard for women to enter the industry when there are more women in, let's say, positions, decision-making positions. <laughs> Where do you start? Um, but yeah, that's definitely one of the, the, the hurdles here. It can be, it can be over uh, how to say you can it can be overcome and I think we're gonna touch that on that a little bit later but it doesn't make it easier for sure mm, often it might also have to do with the certain group dynamics that might you know happen in a more homogeneous group um, so for example if you're the only let's say woman in the group or in a you know given team you might experience let's say, put it straightforward just there might be certain sexist jokes or you know comments or in general things that probably if there were more women wouldn't happen or the group dynamic would be a bit different and this is something i've uh, ex- i've experienced a lot me like this shift like how the dynamic changes where the let's say number of people in a certain team uh differs in terms of uh for example their gender um, and another bit might have to do with a given lifestyle that sometimes is promoted or associated with this kind of like tech startup kind of boyish culture, you know, people not really having, or at least talking from my experience, I've never worked or I've rarely worked in a company, for example, when there were young moms or, you know, people actually having children or being a bit older. So also for women, for example, that have kids or over 30, sometimes there's a question of, can I even do this kind of thing or would I fit within the group or would the employer actually want me to be in the group? Because I literally come across talking to some business owners saying like, I can't really take, you know, a mom because my whole team is 24 and they're young and how she will fit. Well, she got, um, so, you know, mm-hmm. got me a bit mad, but then, you know, that those are also these things taken under consideration. So it can be scary because you know that, well, you might stand out or you might be different. Wow, it's it's for certain a very complex issue and you've touched upon many, many important things. Fitting in, uh, representation. When I think about IT, first images that come to my mind are, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Steve Jobs, not necessarily Melinda Gates, you know. <laughs> She's not necessarily the first image that, that pops into my mind. Um, so... 
you're absolutely right. It's um, there's so many little aspects of what make up, you know, whether or not you actually envision yourself doing that and then making that choice. Right. Um, let's let's maybe move on to the aspect of mentorship, because uh, like you've mentioned already before, this is one of the pillars <laughs> on which Dare It um, or Dare IT stands. I also have personally two mentors, um, but I still remember a time where I didn't even realize that having mentors is is a good thing and that it's uh, it's for regular people like me. Um, uh, so tell me why young professionals should consider having a mentor. Why do you put such an emphasis on mentorship? Well, the first reason why we put such an emphasis or why we really promote this is the coming back to this idea of representation and role modeling because it gives you the chance to really work together with, especially if it's a female mentor. So that's something maybe I should <laughs> clarify here. So our mentorship program is a woman to woman mentorship program. So all the mentees are uh, assigned female uh, mentors. So this is a chance to get this role modeling effect in practice because on a weekly basis you get to work with a, a woman uh, someone who of course is different to you but this may be more similar than, uh, than a man <laughs> that may sound obvious but <laughs> <laughs> you know someone with whom maybe you can identify more and that gives you a way to 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 ask questions but also to see that uh, actually well you know most of our mentors they're amazing they're very smart people they're very uh, very good at what they do but they're human they're normal they're normal people and just as the mentees are so this gives them a way to to see this and this gives them a way to build self-confidence uh, because they see someone else has done it and so they can do it too and one thing that we also do with our men most of our mentors are let's say one or two steps ahead of the mentees, meaning that um, the, for instance, we have mentees that went through the program two years ago and now are mentors, right? So they still remember how it was so they can help the mentee, but at the same time, the mentee also sees that, oh, actually in two years time or maybe in one year's time, I can be where she is. It's not, you know, in 10 years or in 15 years, it's quite reach reachable. And uh, building on that, also why are we very strong on mentorship is um, mentorship is a two-way experience, right? So the, often we forget that the mentors get a lot out of the mentorship as well. Uh, I have to be honest, the first time that I was a mentor, that was one of my biggest um, surprises. It's like, oh my God, I learned so much about myself, about actually uh, the industry because I had to, you know, uh, convey knowledge in a certain way. And so it's a two-way street that empowers, let's say, the chain of help, meaning that because uh, mentors, so mentors help mentees, mentees learn, then mentees can become mentors. So, we, you know, we kind of expand the the, the impact tree, let's call it, of um, how we can work, uh, work together. Uh, and it also kind of shapes attitudes because of this two-way street. So you kind of, um, you're always in this mindset that you can learn from others and that you can give something back. 
Just to touch on those two, um, also two points that Natalie mentioned in terms of, um, in a way, demystifying text. So on one hand, we want to show women, uh, you know, other women, people that we can identify with, that shows that we could literally do the same job. But at the same time, try to demystify tech a bit. That it's not some magic place, very abstractly difficult to learn, etc. But it's literally a job like any other. You have to learn certain skills like at any other job, and this is fairly doable if you just put your mind um, into it. So that's one point. And then the other aspect having to do with empowering. So we're very big, as Natalie mentioned on this, um, of providing this individual help, but also in the way that it could empower um, potential mentees. So why we think it's so crucial, especially at the beginning for young professionals, when often maybe they, as you mentioned yourself, like you didn't even know at the beginning that it might be something needed, or you know, you maybe haven't seen value at the beginning in mentorship program or mentorships in general, while at but especially at the beginning of the journey, having a mentor could immensely help you avoid making certain mistakes that all of us regret doing probably at the beginning of their career or know that I could have done X, Y, Z, and it would be so much faster to reach certain places. Um, so this is also why we want to have this individual cooperation to also in a way speed up, but also make the learning process slash career change more efficient for the mentees. Maybe one last uh, point here um, from mm-hmm. why is like why are we pushing mentorship? I mean, what we do is a structured, formal type of mentorship, right? You get assigned your mentor and your mentee, and you know that you are in this relationship. But um, I think we can all experience some level of mentorship or gui- give mentorship in our daily work lives, or not only work lives, actually. So, and for instance. I had this experience in my first um, in my first job in the tech industry, or it's a big job in the tech industry. My bosses gave me a lot of responsibility and a lot of trust. I wouldn't say they were my mentors, but they kind of um, behaved in a bit of a mentor kind of way. And the fact that they were giving me this trust, guidance, and support, but also um, the room to develop my myself so you know they were not a teacher they were not in the sense of like a strict boss but they gave me this Mm -hmm. way of learning and developing and the trust that actually I could do what I was doing and I would even though I maybe wasn't an expert and I know that uh, for a fact that this really helped me later on when I actually stepped up to be CEO of uh, Passion so 50 people company. I had never, never been a CEO before. So, you know, by <laughs> on paper, I didn't know how to do it, but because of the experience and because of this kind of support I had received before, I knew that I could master difficult situations and I could, you know, step up to the game. So I think this is why mentors are really powerful um, because they can kind of, yeah, give you this feeling of, uh, and this confidence in yourself. I love the idea of, you know, sending down the elevator. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the profession and the career of being uh, in IT. From what I read, participants who get into the their IT program can develop themselves in areas such as um, user experience, 
web development, data science, product management, digital marketing, sounds like a lot of different paths. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about these paths and how many there are and whether some are more specific to women or actually it doesn't matter? Yeah, so I'd say that in general, in IT, you have probably a million different career paths. And uh, there's probably a new one coming up every single day. If you, if you think about the data scientists or data, the whole field of data science five years ago, or maybe even three years ago, people would be like, what, who? And now it's, it's really becoming a very popular and very sought after role. So... Um, with their IT, right now we have, I think, in this edition, 17 specializations. So, you know, the, wow. that's already quite a few. Okay. And as I said, this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. We didn't choose those 17 because we think they're particularly suited for, for women. So I would say that any of those 17 or a million that you can find online are... Uh, are there for grabs for anyone if you're a woman, a man, or un undeclared. It doesn't matter. And uh, this kind of ties back into what uh, Ola was saying before, that we are really, with their IT, we're really big on this notion of demystifying tech. So because of the fact that there are so many different options, so many different jobs, but also, to be honest, so many different types of companies. So you could have an IT company that works in the automotive industry, but you can have an IT company that works in fashion or, you know, so there's really a place for any types of interests, skills, basically anyone, I think, could really find something they, they, they would like in the industry. Um, so in this sense, it really, it really depends what, what you as a person like. Um, so coming back to the 17 specializations, we simply have them because this is the mentors that we, we recruited or that we selected for this program. So it, it came as a, as a kind of a side, uh, as a, how do you say it? As a, as a baggage, <laughs> it wasn't a baggage, but you know, <laughs> it, it came yeah, with the yeah, mentors. Yeah. Let's put it this way. Exactly. It comes with the package, not with the baggage. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we're really excited to be adding more also. So for instance, um, what we did this year in the previous edition, we had UX design as a whole path, but this year we split it out between UX design and UX research, for instance. In the past, we had project management. Now we have project management, product management, and Scrum Master, for instance. So it's really becoming uh, quite broad. Sometimes this comes with a bit of a downside, let's put it this way, because it can be also very confusing as to, well, what's the difference between a, I don't know, a growth ninja and a marketing specialist or a, a product designer and a UX UI designer. And a, you know, like there's, it can be quite confusing, but actually there's quite, I would say there's enough uh, resources that at least you can make a first assessment of what might suit you and what you might like and then kind of you know research a little bit more in that direction okay yeah i was just about to ask so what if let's say i'm working 
in some I'm, I'm a teacher I'm, I'm an English teacher and I would like to move into IT how do I even know which area would suit me if UX doesn't tell me anything and I look at all these uh, names and I just I'm overwhelmed at the beginning what do I do basically I think that this is Definitely an issue and a pain point that we come across a lot, meaning that to be 100% honest, even me, myself being a designer in the industry X years, I still come across certain job descriptions or job names that I'm like, what, like, what does that actually mean? Or who's a design ops like, or yeah, like, oh, or who's a marketing designer, blah, blah, like a lot of different job descriptions that might be very confusing. Um, but still, I would say the first point would be to educate yourself on what it is that we could actually do so this is also why we're trying to be a bit we're not a bit like we're trying to be brought with the offer let's say that we have within the mentorship program also to show that it is something bigger than just let's say design and development that there are actually so many different paths that you can take depending on your interests skills um, transferable skills that you might have from your previous job experience etc that you could actually Maybe it sounds a bit idealistic, but I really believe that there's really a job or a role in the industry for everyone, um, depending on what they want, would like to do or uh, like to explore. But I'm not going to say it's easy. I would definitely um, encourage everyone interested in a specific path to read more about the path, to join a community. Uh, I think that this year, this year or let's say recently, it's so much easier to actually dive into a certain new area in IT because there are just so many materials. I remember, I don't know, six, seven years back trying to start a, as a UX designer. I literally could name just, I think, Interaction Design Foundation, and that was just one place. And now the internet is just blooming with resources and paths and support groups, I would call that. Um, so I would just definitely take the advantage of, um, of communities and people wanting to share and... Um, basically give back to the community yeah. and maybe mm -hmm. even before mm -hmm. that i think like to be honest it's like any any career change i think that the first step is let's say self-reflection or self-analysis so what do i like to do what am i good at what are the skills that i have right now so going back maybe to your teacher example so let's say you're an english teacher so probably you're pretty good with uh, language or text texts you're uh, maybe you write maybe you like to write yourself um, maybe you're good at editing so um, you can you know kind of analyze yourself and then you can start uh, literally googling uh, jobs in IT with uh, writing let's say and then you probably start to get a few um, hits so you probably will get, I don't know, a content marketer, or you might get a UX writer, right? And in this kind of step-by-step, step, I think you can really go and dig deeper. It's a bit of a like feedback loop also. So you read, we highly encourage people to try things out. So this is, I think, a typically female trait to only want to start or try doing something when we feel we're 100% prepared and ready. And uh, so this is something that I think is really important here. So maybe you've come across the concept of UX writing. You think it's interesting. So maybe try to do a, a course or an exercise or something like this. I mean, or 
coding. Maybe you want to do a one-day coding uh, workshops or some online free courses. So really start trying and fall into this feedback uh, loop then. Do I like it? Do I not like it? And then uh, go, go from there. That's really great advice. So let's talk about the mission. Why is it important to support women in breaking into the IT industry? Like, why should we even care? What difference does it make? Who's actually writing the code? So I think that one of the biggest um, driving force, I would say for us, uh, is also woven in our mission, having to do with the fact that I really strongly believe that the, techno the technology shapes and changes the world we live in and actually creates a whole different wor world happening simultaneously, let's say, uh, on top of the real one. Um, and we just we just want women to be involved in that and we want them to build it and influence and actually avoid having some of the biases that might be, let's say, um, designed into our everyday real life into also the digital sphere. Um, so we're very big on the idea of creating uh, inclusive products or actually fighting bias, let's say, uh, technology that might uh, be created. And to be very, I mean, straightforward, it's not as if we assume that it's it would, any technology or certain solution might have been done in bad faith. Sometimes you just may not think about certain cases or you may call them edge cases. It's just because it's not always very easy for you to remember about certain groups that you don't belong to. And it's very natural. But then you have cases, for example, of women not being able to get to women's uh, lockers room just because they're doctors and the system classified all the doctors being male. So they just can't get to their dressing room. Um, or we have, for example, uh, Amazon's recruitment algorithm that ended up, uh, let's say, assigning lower grading points to women applying, for example, to being programmers, just because you know the association between the word programmer and woman was um, not as strong. Or one of the examples that makes me always the most mad, but I think it's also fairly vivid, is that we have Siri or all the, you know, voice assistants that could tell jokes from literally day one. But even three years back, if you told them, for example, Siri, I was raped, they couldn't understand what you're saying. And that's in a world when every 73 seconds, I think someone is a victim of a sexual assault. So usually this is, those are the things that you might be more prone to understand if you might be a victim or experience certain uh, things. So this is why we think that having diversified project teams, creating certain products are, is the most efficient way. Yeah, so I would add on that. Actually, it makes a lot of business sense as well, because on one hand, not including certain groups in, in the product development process excludes them from let's say the solutions or from parts or, or excludes them from yeah, from the solutions that are being built but it also limits the ideas of any new kinds of solutions or any new things that, that could be built and um yeah this is a huge this is also business-wise a huge 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 market um but going back to why are we doing this or why do we want to have more women in the workplace i mean to be honest also Usually it's a really well-paying job, just working in the IT sector. And it's the one that is, let's say, on the rise. And it doesn't look like it's going to be any other way um, 
or change anytime soon. Um, so we would love to give more women this economic independency, basically, to give them this, let's say, peace of mind that regardless for the um, economic or political situation, let's say, coming to what's happening in Poland, for example, at the moment, that they might just have this peace of mind that regardless of what's going to happen, um, they still have choices and options and they can, you know, just be okay in whatever situation. I'm not sure if you want to talk about Grace and Frankie because I love this. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. I love this I'm as well. So into that show, I can't even believe it. Like I'm watching it, like right now as we speak. Uh, no, not as we speak. Almost. But, um, you know, it's it's the show of my yeah. last few weeks. Yeah. We're we're always laughing with Natalie that this is our go-to. Like whenever you know whatever we're gonna be doing, like 50 years, we want to have literally this lifestyle. If you to the listeners that haven't seen Grace and Frankie, I strongly encouraged you to do so and this was also a huge um yeah huge moment for me to actually see this um tv series and try to envision myself being older and like doing things because uh for those that don't know the uh, tv series it's a yeah it's a tv series um on netflix uh showing the life of grace and frankie which are in their late 70s early 80s and they're starting a business together so they're building a startup um which is an amazing show and i think it's also a very important one for women everywhere yeah it, it both uh yeah we, we both love the show and for me it also had this moment of like oh my god there is life after <laughs> after your 70 and exciting exciting uh life and not you know that i thought you uh, you know life is boring but it was just like a, it, it's very inspirational also um, for me I, i completely agree with what alexandra said about the representation of um women over 30 maybe 35 uh, especially in uh, leadership positions so this is something um, that I was uh, very uh, struggling with or kind of lacking uh, this question like where do they go literally and what does that mean for me <laughs> what does that mean for me so I was uh, running a company and I was like okay I'm I'm at this stage now but does it mean that when I'm 35 or 40 or 50 I I can't run a company anymore so uh, it sounds like some it sounds almost like childish questions that that you ask yourself but if you don't see it it's, it's hard right Um, and I mean, you could tell yourself, yeah, I'm gonna do it and I can, I can make it, but, and you can, of course, and probably you will if you put your mind to it, um, but it just is that little doubt that when you, that little doubt that nags at you like, oh, maybe it's just because it's not possible. It's the same thing as with, uh, as we were talking before, you see that, all you're applying for a job or you're searching the role programmer and all you see is pictures of men i think there's this little thing inside of your head that might say like oh maybe it's just not a place for you so so i or maybe we're just too stupid <laughs> yeah or maybe know. you don't have these kind of skills i don't know Yeah, these kind of skills, this brain power, this type of IQ. You're oh, too emotional. <laughs> we begin to create a long list. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, going back to the Grace and uh, Frankie theme, I wanted to ask you uh, about um, the, the older generation of women. 
because we're talking about 30, 35 plus, and you're already seeing there's less representation. So let's imagine, you know, 40, 50, 60 plus, um, it must be possible. And like you said, doing that career change, because I'm assuming it would be a career change um, for them, uh, is possible. And actually, it's a it's a really profitable career to to pursue. There's many reasons that you could and and potentially maybe should uh, consider it at least. So tell me how many women are actually uh, how many older women are actually applying for your for your program and. Um, do you see potential gaps there? Let's talk about that. Um, so the, our biggest demographic, I would say about 65%, is in the age group 25 to 35. And then the next group with about 20% is 35 to 45. So we do see, um, let's say, some interest. Clearly there is interest of women, let's say, above 35 if we want to use this um, this uh, line I'm not gonna lie that there's ageism in IT for sure so uh, we often actually get the question I'm I'm 40 is it still worth for me to change uh, the industry is it still possible will I be encountered with um, will I will I encounter uh, discrimination let's say and yeah we're always very open as the industry is rather male and female, it's also rather, let's say, young than, uh, than advanced. But we always like to, to say, or, I mean, in the end, we're all going to work until we're 65 at least. So let's say you're 45 or 40. That means you still have 20 to 25 years uh, of working life left. So that second thing, um, many experts say that with the pace of change, we are all going to have to change our careers at least once in the next 20, 30 years. So exactly. Oh anyway, so you might as well yeah. do it now. You've tried it. You've acquired a skill. Uh, so yeah, you might as well do it now. It won't be easy for sure. And um, there may be some companies that will not fit you. As Alexandra said, maybe there may be teams that might not fit you. But at the same time, I think that um, career changers, especially those that have more years of experience, they bring a lot of valuable skills and insights. So it's also a recommendation when you're changing jobs um, to really focus on the transferable skills that you can bring on. So we were talking about the teacher. I mean... You really know how to handle a group of people who don't want to listen to you, <laughs> uh, who have a very short attention span, and to whom you need to explain something, and to whom you need to impart, impart, impart knowledge while they're probably thinking rather about, I don't know, their girlfriends or, you know, the party they're going to have on the weekend. So that's a skill. That's a skill um, that you can bring along to, uh, to another, to a new job. So... Yeah, to sum it up, it's not easy, but there are women who are looking to do it and we encourage them to do that. So, and I think there is going to be more and more to, to, to take that step. 
you can lose <laughs> actually really. fun fact i'm currently uh i'm currently doing a coding uh, course myself because i'm a i'm a i'm non-technical i'm a non-technical tech geek and so for quite a few years now i've had it in my mind i really would like to learn to code I'm 30, uh, 31 or so, and I'm always joking that, well, if their IT fails, you know, I would seriously consider applying for a junior developer position. It's great. I really like it. It suits me. Um, and yeah, and it's actually fun to learn something new. So. That's, that's also a great, great point that um, you don't necessarily have to, you know, go out there with the intention of making a career out of it but it's always one more skill that you can keep you know somewhere in the back of your portfolio just in case like something changes you know you hopefully not lose your job or whatever right but it's always good to to learn and i think that yeah you really convinced me by i can really see it um myself um the the pace at which I feel like I have to upskill myself over the past decade has been accelerating the, all the time. I, I literally, for the past two years, I feel like I'm learning something new all the time. So might as well. I mean, the, the world isn't gonna go backwards and technology isn't gonna advance any slower. <laughs> so, so the sooner you actually, um, yeah, even uh, learn a little bit, Uh, the better you will be in, in life, not, even if you don't make a career out of it, you will have a bit more of a better grip of what's going on, right? In that whole universe of technology that's happening parallel <laughs> to the universe that we live in. Um, I love yeah. this quote. Uh, it says something like, mm, what if I, I'm 32, uh, what if I start this coding workshop and, oh God, I'm going to be 36 when I end. And then the response is, well, you're going to be 36 regardless if you do this workshop or not, right? So you might as well do it. I think that, or at least when we're discussing it, I think that, I mean, it always makes me so sad when people are, for example, we even had women writing as being 25 saying like, is it too late for me to make a change? Or, you know, am I too old? And I'm like, you're a baby. Like, where are your parents? Like, come on. Like, of course you can do it. But I think it might also, sometimes I think that it might also have to do with this kind of notion that maybe we're all battling in a way that we might have some kind of expiration date because we don't see women past certain age doing certain things. So I'm like, can I still do it? Will I still have the time? Can I still make it, let's say? Um, so as we've discussed, the problem slash challenges very multifaceted um, on many levels so yeah a, a lot of different things to address here what are some of the biggest successes of dare it mm, so definitely the one thing that we're most proud of is the speed of growth um so as I mentioned in the first edition we've started with literally just 11 mentors pretty much all of them being our friends or people we worked with. Um, then with the second edition, we've asked a bit more friends, so we were 40. And the third edition, we had 120 mentors. Um, and I think that it's amazing that so many, and let's just keep in mind that it wasn't an active reach out, let's say. Of course, we did contact the mentors from the previous edition, being 40 of them. But then we never had a campaign or, you know, like a big promo say like, hey, we're looking for mentors. Literally, we had um over 50 after over 80 plus women that we don't know reaching out to us saying that they would like to support they want to get behind of our idea that they believe in what we're doing 
and they see that it's genuine, which is also a huge value for us. Um, and they just wanted to join the mission, let's say. So I think that this is something, the sole fact that it resonates with so many people um, that see value in what we do, that's a great success. Yeah, and apart from um, mentors reaching out, we also got one thing. So we this year we started working with several partners, companies, especially on the mentorship program that are uh, you know, joining to support the mission of a more diverse tech world, but are also looking to, of course, hire some of the, their IT members, community members and mentorship mentees. And most of our partners, if not all, reached out to us rather than, you know, again, doing some active reach out. And this is, again, something that we feel we're quite happy and proud about that uh, also companies see see the value that we bring and that they would like to work with us to solve this problem together mm. and coming back to the community um we because you know we started a mentorship program and then we realized like oh god we have let's say 800 applications 11 spots so what are we going to do with all those 789 women that we cannot help and this is where the idea of the community came from where we started this facebook group where we wanted to give a space for these women to ask each other questions to share knowledge to network to get to know each other and to have a safe space and we, as I think I mentioned, we almost have 4,000 women on this group now uh, on Facebook and 1,000 on Slack. And it's really become a self-organized, maybe not self-organized, but it's a really an active community of women exchanging with each other with very little input from our side. So, of course, we bring in the events and sometimes we partake ourselves, but we, it's the sharing aspect is going by itself. The one, one of the things I always love uh, to mention and think about is also the sole fact that we keep saying that marketing and PR is literally our worst uh, competences. Like we, we cannot, we just can't do it. Like we're not really amazing at it. Um, and then in the end, as mentioned, we have so many mentors, so many people reaching out to the community. And one of the things I really love is that when joining the community, we always ask this question, like, how did you find out about us? And uh, we got answers one of my favorites is from my son from my mom from a guy from tinder or a tinder uh we had three people from tinder uh from my therapist uh from so many or of course friends families husbands but like so many people sharing um sharing the information about us so it's, it's also amazing to see how many people um yeah want to join and start building this with us I mean, there, there are, of course, certain values or things we like to pass on or, you know, as Natalie said, there are certain attitudes that we want to share, shape or share. And this is also one of the things that is an immense source of joy and, you know, being you, we can really be proud of it, I guess, um, is the sole fact that when the community really lives out, let's say, the values. So to give an example, we have a book club. Uh, we're running a book club meetings and we always um, said that we wanted to be inclusive. Uh, so the girls created a virtual bookshelf let's say to exchange books so they could be accessible to everyone also those that can't for example afford to buy um certain positions so i think all, all those low ones looking out after each other and helping out i think those are the things that um really make the difference here. and one thing that i think is quite relevant also in say uh, era of 
fake news and online hate. One thing that we're quite proud of, to the same time makes us always a little bit sad, is that we're often told that uh, we ask, why do you like to be part of this community? And I say, well, it's the only place on the internet where I can ask any kind of questions and I'm not being, I'm not judged, I'm not hated at, and I don't get hateful responses. So uh, this is, of course, great that we were able to create this genuine, uh, supportive and safe environment. This is the values that Ola was mentioning. It's a little bit sad also that, you know, you have to, uh, mention this as one of the things to stand out but um, yeah we're, we're quite proud of that so it seems that you've achieved a lot uh, <laughs> but I'm sure you also still have some some dreams and some glass ceilings to break so tell me what are your plans for Dare IT for the next few years well, we always kept saying that we want to help a million women, a million women get into IT, but literally with the, let's say, year to year speed of growth, this might be, it might turn out that it's really not that, you know, enough ambitious goal, I'd say. Um, but this is, this is, let's say, a North Star for now. So we want to hit 1 million women. Um, then, as Natalie mentioned, we're having more and more cooperation with companies. So this is definitely something that we would like to um, explore and grow in the future. So we want to have... Um, tighter cooperation in that sense in order to actually support the diversity in the workplace because actually how we can get more women to IT is you know when more companies decide to to hire such diverse talent uh, or be more, more mindful about that uh, so this is the second bit um, and the third one that's actually our highest priority one of our highest priority at the moment is to try and use technology to scale our initiatives and to be able to reach more women. The way we're organizing it now, although we are still managing to, you know, grow it is very manual and extremely time consuming, especially, you know, being run mostly by um, the two of us at this point. So it's really hard to reach more women, especially in uh, other places. So we would love for the program to be more scalable. Um, and we just like to create a platform such a product that would just allow more people to help each other. Um, so to put it in shorter term, the or in the easier words, the ideal scenario would be that um, anyone anywhere in the world could open our app and could see either how they can empower themselves or other women. So my last question uh, is coming up, which would be, let's say I have my own company and I listen to this podcast and I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm, you know, looking at my teams and I'm thinking, hmm, I should probably think about this a little bit and maybe, maybe put some more thought into recruitment uh, and make my teams and my company a more diverse and safe place. What do I do? I love that you're asking this question and putting a more, let's say, practical note, just to this notion of like, we need more women, but then actually how, you know, how do you, how do you do it? Or how do you get more diverse uh, workplace? So one of the things that you could definitely do is um, to be mindful of the notion that naturally mentioned at the beginning that we tend to, even subconsciously, we tend to resonate more with people that are similar to us. So for example, we might be more biased to hire or prefer certain people that resemble more um, are in us in many forms. This is why it's um, really important to, for example, have mixed recruitment teams. 
So when you have a woman and a man uh, that are assessing certain skills or, you know, carrying out the interview, um, I think it's also nice from the, for the person being interviewed that also see certain, uh, you know, let's say again, role models that it's not only about uh, having a very male dominated industry. Um, another bit also mentioned a bit earlier um, has to do with the way you're communicating your job. Um, so, for example, what visual ads are you using? Are you also only using like you know this very masculine um, guys presenting visuals, or are you also throwing in some you know gender balance? Uh, are you using feminatives, for example? There is an extensive body of research showing that women are less likely to respond to, for example, develop um, ads for job offers for programmers or developers if they're not um, included the um, female form as well. Um, I think there's this one uh, bit, Natalie, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's in uh, Germany, it's very popularly used, that you have always this uh, indication that you have a certain job offer and then you indicate that it can be um, male, female or disabled. Uh, it will be MW or other, basically. So it just be like developer oh, awesome. and just says MW or uh, other. But it, and usually it starts with M for male, then female, and then other. And there's some studies that show that even by just inverting, first putting female and then male and then other, you can increase the number of applicants, female applicants. I also remember vividly that uh, there were certain job offers that also emphasize the fact that they are open to recruit disabled person people. So I think it's just important to be mindful that you just need to yeah again be mindful exclude cer include certain groups or just make it more visible um for them and in the end also being a leader and a person that's you know kind of position running a company you just have to show that you're serious about that so in my opinion it doesn't really show it doesn't really mean much if you say you want to be mindful about you know inclusive workplace or recruiting more women and then you for example accept um sexually based, stereotype based jokes around in the work. So it's also the type of culture that you agree um, to the last slide, let's say to foster, to have. Um, so also what example are you giving as a leader? Yeah, and building on the uh, concept of leadership and going back to the chicken and the egg problem of uh, if you have more female leaders, then you, know, you will have more representation and usually that will then make it easier for um, for women, new women to join. And this is something that I actually have observed at Alpassion. So when I, when I joined and then I took over as CEO, of course, it was a topic very close to my heart to increase uh, increase the general, let's say, uh, number of women in the team. But I also know, know and also saw that simply by the fact that I was a female leader of the company, this attracted a certain number more of women. And then there were more and this attracted more. So, of course, you need to break this as a first step. So you need to make a conscious effort maybe to promote someone into a leadership position or to maybe you run a program that specifically only hires women for certain kinds of maybe it could be an internship program or something which increases the number of women that you have because this is something that naturally pulls uh, the others. Of course, then even stronger in leadership 
coming back to the recruitment process, you could have a, you know, you have a recruitment meeting, it's much more powerful um, and you're much more likely to attract and hire women. If you have, for instance, a recruitment committee, you have a male and a female member and then you go as a woman to this recruitment meeting and you're like, oh, actually it's a balanced team. I know what kind of team I'm, I'm joining. So that's 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 that. So uh, representation again. I think fair pay and pro fair career progression is a topic that's really important here as well, because this is something that is of course also uh, very relevant when it comes to gender in uh, in IT or gender in the workplace uh, in general. So uh, as we know, usually women earn less for the same kind of job and they also it's harder for them to progress so i think it's actually a good way to attract uh, and retain women is by making sure that your pay uh, pay system and your career progression system is as fair as possible coming back to what we said it's very 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 hard to factor out bias um, we're very aware of that but you can help yourself with systems you could have a certain for instance salary formula or you could have um mostly when for instance you are getting uh, assessments uh you're, you're assessed for career progression usually there's a, some kind of 360 degree feedback or something you can try you can make sure that the people who give feedback it's a balanced a diverse team for instance so it's not the same kind of people who give feedback and who then make uh, have an impact on your career progression and to the outside also uh, this is something that for instance uh, coming back to the example of El Pasha because it's something that I experienced very closely we had a salary formula so it is literally a formula that defines how much you earn at each stage so there's no negotiation and I know for a fact that this was something quite um, uh, attractive for, for women. And even I didn't realize it myself in the beginning, but then I looked at it and I was like, yeah, actually, this is like, it's independent of your negotiation skills. Of course, you still have an assessment whether you're going to progress to the next level or not. But still, it takes out quite a lot of this, this uh, negotiation, especially when you start uh, in a certain position. And um, maybe to... Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's still the issue that um, generally one thing I did observe is that uh, women tend to assess themselves at a lower level than men coming back to the, uh, you know, we usually apply when we're, if we feel 100% ready and not maybe 80%. So this is something that still needs to be um, factored in but this could be for instance done by uh, even you know the first step could be a training of the team that does the recruitment to actually be mindful of this the first step to identify or to try to factor out bias is to actually know that you might be biased right and um, to close this off coming back to what Ola said about being serious about it and um practicing this inclusiveness and diversity so one thing is of course through daily daily work so daily culture that you're building in your company uh, one thing that i think i feel quite strongly about actually all made me very much aware about this is that um, women tend to be interrupted more than men there's also uh, lots of studies about this so this is something that uh, you can pay attention to, for instance, in meetings. 
that you make sure that everyone gets to say uh, what they want to say. And it might seem something small, but if you don't get to say what you want to say, if you get interrupted, it might actually seem that either you don't care or that you don't have the great ideas because you don't even have a chance to, to say things, right? Um, so that's the one thing. And the other is something that I've seen work very well um, at Adult Passion, but not only, is if you as a company get involved with initiatives that support uh, diversity, such as their IT. I know that, um, for instance, employees were approached me, actually male and female, and told me, you know, I'm really proud that as a company we are supporting such an initiative as their IT. I, that, make, that makes me feel proud to be in this company or even others that have come to a passion because they heard about it through uh, their IT and not because, you know, it was just a sponsor, but because um, we worked very closely. So again, this comes back to putting, uh, not just talking about it, but doing something about it. And I think this definitely works. Okay. Not just talking about it, but doing something yes, about exactly. it. And that's the thought I want to finish off with today. Let's all do something about it. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Alexandra. It was wonderful to speak to you today and very inspiring. Thank you, Agatha. Thank you so much for having us. It was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CTO to CTO podcast. Make sure you subscribe us on all possible platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube also. So wherever your favorite platform is, that's where you can follow us and speak to you next week.